usually give titles of messages. I usually say that for when Marie bugs me and goes, what's the name of the message? Uh, but this time I feel like I need, need you a little bit of a, a heads up of where we're going and what this is about. And it's titled, No Friend Like Him. So we're here to break strongholds on how you relate to God. That's the, the goal. And we're going to start at the beginning, Genesis. So Genesis 1.27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. In his image. So, and it's not about whether you're male or female, but we are in the image of God. This is what makes us valuable. And that is what makes us human. Any kind of perversion of that image is sin. And it's what takes us out of being that image of God. And um, he, made, he made us in that image for many reasons. But I like to think it's because he just finished creating the earth. And what better thing to look after the earth than little hymns. But also so that we can relate directly to him. So we have something in common. And it's amazing to think about God in the sense that he has likes, wants, dislikes. He, he goes one way or the other. And what's fascinating is that in the beginning, he's walking with people. He's walking with Adam. Talking, conversing. And then, this is the one that really gets me. In uh, Genesis 5, 23 to 24, it says, Thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. How about that? How about having a friendship with God where God is like, you know what? Just come with me. What are we doing here? Let's go somewhere else. God has got, Enoch has such a relationship with him that God just took him. He hasn't done that with anyone. Well, besides Jesus, of course, God. But this relationship with God, you can see that we don't really comprehend it. And in the beginning, this is amazing. In the beginning, when we referred to God, it was the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. That's how he would describe, I am the God of Abraham, I am the God of Jacob. And it isn't until we get to Moses in the burning bush where a human goes, but yeah, what's your name? What do I call you? What, what do I say? And God says, I am the God of Jacob. You know, he says all that. And he says, I am what I am. Or it's translated also to, I am who I am. And you know, if you really want to do a lot of reading tonight, just look into that. There are books and books and books about just that. 
because the Hebrew it doesn't translate well. And we and they don't even have vowels, so we just get the Y H W H. We've we filled it in to say Yahweh. In the Latin it's it's Jehovah. But he has a name. And um with something that has a name, it's not just God. It has a face. It's not without thoughts and feelings. We read, he gets angry, he gets happy. This is the God that we are to relate to, hence the image of God. And when you truly dig deeper into that, you you come to grips with the fact that God is sovereign. And there's no better way to talk about it than the way um, Paul actually goes into it in the book of Romans. I am speaking the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. But it is not as though the word of God has failed. For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel, and not all are children of Abraham because they are his offspring. But through Isaac shall your offspring be named. This means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring. For this is what the promise said, About this time next year I will return and Sarah shall have a son. And not only so, but also when Rebekah had conceived children by one man, our forefather Isaac, though they were not yet born and had done neither good or bad, in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls, she was told the older will serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. This is before he's even born. This was set out. And when you look deeper into, you know, the Hebrew language, of course, and we look at what means love and what means hate, it's more that he loved Jacob so much that it looks like he hated Esau. But there was favor. What shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? By no means. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it depends on, so then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose I have raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So then he has mercy on whoever he wills. And he hardens whoever, whoever he wills. You will say to me then, why does he still find fault? 
For who can resist his will? But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Will what is molded say to its molder, Why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory? Even us whom he has called, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. I had to cut it off there because it, he continues to go on, but the, to sort of abbreviate, it's up to God who he chooses. It's up to God who he likes, who he dislikes. God has his reasons. When you think about it, it's just like you. You have people you like, you don't like, people you get along with more, people you relate to more. God's the same. But God is love. It, it always um, confused me so much that when I was reading about King David and it said David was the apple of his eye, that he loved David. David is a murderer, an adulterer, and he's the apple of God's eye. Why? When you look at how David was, David was passionate. And in this world of having to go through a tabernacle, having to be cleaned, having to sacrifice before, he was worshipping in the fields as a shepherd. He wrote songs for God. He, We see so many times when he's angry and upset, he takes it out with God. He's got a relationship with God. And this is the same time where where you weren't even allowed to say God's name. God's name was so sacred, you couldn't even say it. Imagine that. That's how the Israelites viewed God's name. But with David, it's different. He had a direct relationship with God and he never forgot that everything he's had was because of God. He always acknowledged that from the beginning. He knew it wasn't him. It was God. So much so that when God, when he, David was sitting down on his throne, he looks down and he sees the, the tabernacle in a tent, he's like, how can I be in a castle and you're in a tent? Lord, I want to make you, I want to make you, I want to make you a castle. Something that's worthy of you. He was thinking about, what does God want? What does God need? His passion was for that. And of course, Nathan the prophet tells him, your hands are too dirty with blood to be making a temple. So does that mean David just goes, oh, okay, well, maybe I'll do something else. No, he's like, well, how about if I buy the materials? I'll spend all the materials. I'll have everything ready so when the person who's going to make it, they'll have the materials. How about that? Good. 
See how David ducks and weaves? He's, he's working with God. What can I do? What can I, how can I, how can I get around it? His passion, his heart. And it, it is such, a, such an amazing thing to think that back in the day to get into the temple, you, you would have, like imagine here we had a door closed and you had to bring your animals to kill just before you get into the door so we know that you're pure enough to, to enter the tabernacle. Imagine, imagine all the animals out there, all the dead animals. It'd be someone's job to cut them up, get them ready, get the money for the animals. We have birds here, we have, how sinful have you been? Oh, this guy's cutting up a, a cow today. Woof. He must have had a heavy week. But it's like, that was money. That was valuable. That's livelihood. They have to trust God. Instead of having this delicious cow, I have to sacrifice it to the temple so that I can just barely walk in, so that I can hear from God and talk to God. And then... um. <laughs> then Jesus comes along. All this time, with all the sacrifices, people are afraid to say God's name. Jesus says, call him Daddy. Daddy? What? Not even Father, love, beloved, glorious, universe-making God. Daddy. He's your father. And you say that only to your daddy, only to your parent that you are close with, the one that changes your nappies, the one that's in your life. You're close, daddy. But Jesus even goes further than that. And this is the the main scripture for us to meditate on. This is my commandment. This is in John, by the way. I always bring up John, by the way, Book of John. I must really like it. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I choose you, and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. And of course, you could be like, oh, but he was talking to the disciples, and that's what, that was just between him and the disciples. Are you not disciples? Are you not followers of God? Are you not obeying? This is for you. He wants to be your friend. But this is the question that I have for you today. 
What kind of friend are you? Are you do you have God on your speed dial? Do you just call him up when you need something? Oh, I'm in trouble. Oh God, God, hey, 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 God, 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 help me, help me, help me, help me. What kind of friend are you? And to think that, you know, a friend of God, but what are you like as a friend to other people? Loving God is one thing, but loving people, it's real. It's right in front of you. You loving God is between you and God, right? But your fruit, your friends, your relationship with your friends, the priority they have in your life, no greater thing than to give your life to your friends. When you talk to God, are you doing all the talking? Do you let him talk? Are you listening? Do you have the time when it comes to your friends, your everyday friends? Are you too busy? Have you got a lot on? How open are you to your friends, people that you like? That's when the the rubber hits the road, when your hands get dirty. But what's your life for? To buy more things? To work? So you can have a, a building over your head, nice clothes, nice shoes. This is what God is after. Your friendship with God is a reflection of your friendship with your friends. It goes back and forth. This is a, an, an excerpt from Christian Reflections, a series in faith and ethics by Robert B. Kroshwitz. He says, Friendship with God unfolds in love for others. Friendship is always marked by mutual goodwill and sharing of life around common goods and purposes. The very offer of friendship testifies that God is committed to our good. However, a true friend of God is someone who seeks God's good as well through a heartfelt commitment to forward God's plans and purposes in the world. I've been, uh, ever since I was a kid, I used to um, read comics, and I was always into superheroes. Like, now with the Marvel movies and stuff, this is like made for me. Like, I was reading Marvel comics when I was little, you know? And then I, I have, like, I love, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of Spider-Man, but Superman is like number, my number two. Love Superman. And it's the ideal of Superman. Like people refer to him as like, like the living Messiah. Like it's, they find him very hard to write with because he's like, he can do everything and he's like better than us. And so it was like, a, it was such a great thing. I don't know if you guys have seen the Superman movie in 1978 with Christopher Reeve. Anyway, it's very sweet and 
innocent kind of movie compared to what we have now. Where it's always so dark and people are smashing and, you know, like there's so much more violence. It's supposed to entertain us. But in, in the 1970s, Superman was, he even had the underwear, you know what I mean? And um, there's this scene that I love. And it's the, it's when Superman does his first deed in Metropolis. And I'm spoiling a movie that is like 40 years old. Is it? It's almost like 50, getting 50. Yeah, it's 40 something. And, um, and so Lois Lane is going on a helicopter. Something happens in the helicopter, gets caught. And it's, it's going out of control and it, it hits the side of the top of a building and it starts hanging out of the top of a building. And she's hanging for her dear life on the side of this building. And Clark is coming out of the building. He's like, oh, he sees everyone looking up. And he's like, oh. He sees and he quickly comes and rips his shirt open as Superman. And then he flies up. Dun, 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 and the music's dun, 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 It's like very rousing. This, and everyone's watching. It's like, wow, there's a man that can fly. You know, how ridiculous is this? Like, it's crazy. And um, he picks up the, the helicopter. And, you know, there's, there's a funny line in there. I won't bother with it. But the thing that I love, this is the first time Lois has ever seen Superman. She's, she's baffled by the whole thing. Who wouldn't be? I mean, there's a guy in tights picking you up, carrying you over. Like, you'd be, you'd be like, this is insane. And, um, she's going like, who, who are you? And he says, a friend. Boom. And he goes, So many people, you have no idea what they're going through. So many people out there, difficulties, hurting. So many, you have no idea. Be a friend. Listen, you need help. Like you guys are great at this already. I know you guys, this church, we're a very friendly group. But it's more than just in these walls. It's our mission to reflect God just as Jesus reflected God. That image of God is Jesus. Christ in us is that, the reflection of Jesus. Be a friend. Let's pray. Can I get the worship team? Father, we repent, Lord, right now of all the the times we could have done more for our friends. We repent of all the times we let things get in the way of true fellowship, of true camaraderie. Help us, Lord, to be like you. Help us to bring that fellowship that we fear no man because we have you. And therefore, what's there to fear with being a friend? So, Lord, we ask for your Holy Spirit. Fill us. Abide in our relationships. Help us be a friend. 
thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that you give us with different people. We thank you, Lord, for the good times that we will have. We thank you, Lord, for breaking down these strongholds in our life, helping us be open and honest and friendly. And Lord, we're not all gifted the same way. We have different attributes. But help us partner with other people and build friendship that way. Lord, we love you and we're interested in what you want. Help us see what you want. Help us build to what you want. Because it's you that gives us worth, gives us value, gives us purpose. So Lord, we dedicate this time for you. That you highlight something to us, bring someone around our way. And bring your presence presence isn't. Bring your life, bring your joy, bring your hope. Thank you, Father. We love you. Amen.